This is selfaholic, where you become addicted to finding your true purpose in life. I am Monica Barnes. Today, our guest is Nicolette. And Nicolette is another young woman that has overcome obstacles and tragedies in her young life to find her true self and walk her path. Hi, Nicolette. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> Nicolette and I have known our, uh, each other for a couple of years. Um, Nicolette uh, is my um, hairdresser goddess. Um, I don't know what I'd do without her. <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of you out there are uh, suffering the same uh, things I'm going through right now. <laughs> open, close, open, close. Oh my gosh. How, How are you goodness. surviving, Nicolette? I mean, in all honesty, it's like I, I almost wish they would have stayed closed. You know, because it's like I got like a little two week taste of doing hair again. It's like back at it. Um, I'm doing okay. I've actually been one of the more fortunate ones. Um, my job has paid me the entire time and they take really good care of us. So other than that, I can't complain. Yeah. We just, we miss, I know, I, I know because uh, I found out, you know, like my neighbor, like four doors down, uh, she and her daughter-in-law, um, you do their hair. Yes. Other people in the air area, and I know we're all missing you. I know. I miss <laughs> you more. <laughs> I do. Uh, everyone's like, ah. <laughs> help, help me. <laughs> help, help me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, well, as my uh, my listeners are starting to understand, as I interview um, you and uh, my other uh, guests, is that I'm interviewing um, young ladies that have had very tough obstacles or tragedies um, and other things in their lives to overcome and have done so actually what I call brilliantly. Um, there's no... Um, ifs, what, could'ves, should'ves. It's just that you had choices to make and that you met, you did the best you could and made those choices. And one of the things I have always just been so impressed with you is everything you have done at such a young age. Well, thank you. <laughs> I mean, you are still ex still so extremely young. And, and um, you now have a 14-month-old son who's cute as can be. Thanks. Yeah. A little scruffy-headed guy. <laughs> oh, God, scruffy. Oh, my God, that hair. Trust me, everyone's going to wish they had that hair. I'm blessed. And I've, like, literally since he's been born, I've been blowing it out and everything. I'm, like, obsessed with it. Well, so. he's got your hair for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure. I'm, like, the only thing he looks like me is his hair. So I'll take it. I'll take it. He's going to be coming to you later on and go, mom, I need a blowout. <laughs> yeah. Right now he's just obsessed with the blow dryer just in general. So yeah, can't get him to sit still, but I mean, he, he likes it. So. <laughs> well, one of the things uh, when I first met you uh, back uh, when I first met you, uh, you were the salon uh, market trainer and, I, and you were there for four and a half years and you had 13 stores. 
Can you tell us about that? It was an adventure. Um, so basically when I had first started with Ulta, I actually only worked about 15 hours a week. Um, I was super part-time stylist, just trying to get my foot in the door. Um, I had worked for another salon for a couple years prior to that part of which I was in beauty school. Um, so when I came to Ulta, I didn't really know what to expect. Like we didn't even know what an Ulta was out here. I had never been to one. Um, but slowly but surely, like very, very shortly after I had started, I became a salon manager. And then I believe if I can get my dates right about like within like six months to a year after I got promoted a salon manager, I became the salon market trainer. Um, in a nutshell, I was the district educator slash trainer. I was in charge of networking and recruiting for the whole entire district, um, for every single salon, um, beauty school visits, conference calls, um, you name it. I, I pretty much did it. I trained every salon manager, every GM, um, if there was a salon that was like in need, I would go there for visits, audits. Like I, I literally did it all for. And how old were you when you became that in that into that position? Yeah, twenty one. So, wow. yeah, it was it was great. <laughs> it was super fun, but you know what? Like going into it, I don't really feel like I I genuinely understood what that role entailed. Um, and I know that we've talked, but it's more so like whatever your district manager needed of you, that's pretty much what was done. And my DM and I at the time had a really good relationship. So she counted on me for everything, you know, so. That's a, that, but that shows you how young you were, but how responsible you were and how how everyone looked at you, they had to look up and saw a very responsible young lady to give that much responsibility to. Yeah. People were extremely shocked anytime they would find out my age. So, um, I always got the response like, Oh, well you're like 30, right? (laughs) No, I'm not. I like just got, you know, able to actually drink legally. So, you know, I mean, it's, it was definitely a blessing. Um, a lot of, you know, self-realizations along the way, um, just because that was a lot of responsibility, um, just to kind of take over. Plus it's like, I was traveling to Chicago. I think within the four and a half years that I was the market trainer, I went to Chicago about 14 or 15 times. Within that time, um, we would have to like facilitate trainings in front of large groups of people. It was, it was a lot. I had to do it in front of the CEO a few times. So. That's incredible. Yeah. It was a lot of fun, but it, it was a lot of work too. So it was a lot of traveling because we're the furthest out. Um, you know how Sand City is like, we're all the way over here. And then my whole district was like San Jose and up. I mean, it went as far as Stockton and Tracy at one point. So. And for people that are listening that maybe don't know this area that, uh, Oh yeah. That, that's <laughs> a drive. Yeah. That's a yeah. lot. Yeah. It was very intense. You know? So, I mean, minimum every single morning was at least a two hour drive with traffic and everything. Um, work a full eight hour shift, come back and then hit the five o'clock traffic. Right. 
So, I mean, it was intense. I was working like at least 50 to 60 hours, including drive time a week. And um, yeah, sometimes I was doing like overnights at stores, which was not in my job description. Um, But I was doing that to help with like corporate visits and things of that nature. So, I mean, it was, and I still had to manage my own salon, you know, so we had to be the exemplary salon. We had to be top notch, highest volume. Like I had to be staffed up at all times and we did it. We we've been doing that. I mean, I've worked for Ulta in August. It'll be eight years. So we've pretty much held that spot in the district this whole time. So it's been pretty great. Well, I know when I go into the store and to be honest with you, I mean, we're, you're not a, you're not a huge store. We're not, not, no, we're, it's a, we're, we're in, I guess what you might want to call a little beachy, sleepy town. Oh, absolutely. Uh, And, uh, but the service, the people, uh, everything is just really top, top class. Well, thank you. We're very local too. It's kind of like you said, like everybody knows everybody. Um, you know, we have the same guests that come in pretty frequently. So it's like, yes, we might not be the top volume store, like as a whole. Um, but, but we've definitely, we've definitely done pretty well. So I can't, cannot complain, cannot complain. (laughs) And everybody knows I come in there, especially with my service dog. Uh, I have a, uh, English bulldogs and uh, rescue dogs. And uh, if anyone's hearing a snoring, uh, that would be uh, my female bulldog who I just could not kick out of my studio. Uh, she was having a tizzy fit. So if you do hear snoring or what you think is a zombie, sound- my husband says it sounds like a zombie walking. Uh, yeah, that's about right, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, everyone, if I don't come in with at least one of them, people are like, where are they? Where are they? And they get upset with me. (laughs) Especially my salon girls. They're like dog obsessed. So we have like you, between you and like three other people that come into our salon, it's like the dogs are just as much a guest as anybody else. So they look forward to giving them all the pets and all the smooches. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny. It's like my dogs get famous. I'm like, okay. People are like, can I take a photo? I'm like, sure, go ahead. Yeah. How many times has Catherine taken a picture of your dogs? I swear. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, I go, if they'll let you. Yeah. But, and of course, you know what they do. They're like, strike a pose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they act like their mama. <laughs> oh, God, no. I'm the one hiding behind the post. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I'm like, please take a picture of my dog. So, but let me get out of the way. Get me out of it, please. Yeah. You can take a picture of the back of my head so you can see like the hair that Nicolette's yes. <laughs> We've taken a lot of befores and afters of your yeah. gorgeous hair. Yeah. And what it cracks me up is um, for those of you that can't see us, um, I have a very uh, unique hair color. It's uh, what would you call it? I call it's it superhero my- red. A what? I call it superhero red. I mean, that's pretty. That's a pretty good explanation for it. It's like a firecracker. Yeah, and you do too. You have. A, you yes. have a, yeah. This is the this is the quarantine faded like hair. Yeah. This is a I'm too lazy to do it myself hair. But you know, and I've been washing it so frequently because I've been working still, like in the store. You know, so yes. anytime I come home, I've been washing it. So I haven't even bothered with it. 
but we will be twins again soon. Oh. I promise. <laughs> well, I, it's so funny because I'll be walking down the, the street with my husband, like going, you know, because Monterey parking, you have to park in a parking structure and walk. And, and uh, all, all of a sudden I hear somebody go, I love your hair. Yeah. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> I have a question for you. Do you ever have people touch your hair? They want to, and they, I have issues. Okay. Because I, I don't know about you, but I constantly have people touch my hair. Constantly. Well, see, when I was your age, my hair was your length and full like yours. As you get older, it thins out. And people really, I kind of was okay when I was younger, when it was long and full like that. But when your hair gets short, shorter and closer to your head, it gets a little different. Yeah, but your hair is like dropped up gorgeous. I'm just saying like, just, I, I've never noticed it before. I've constantly had people touch my hair, constantly. Never thought a thing of it. Like we work in a beauty salon, like everyone's touching everyone's hair, right? But lately, now that I've been working in the store, I have had two women like straight up side swipe me and like grab my hair and like run their hands through it and stuff. And I can't even pull back quick enough. I'm like, we are in a pandemic. What is wrong with you? <laughs> don't touch me. <laughs> You're like, honey, I don't even let my husband do that in the bedroom. Right? Right like, now. Yeah. Get off my <laughs> head. <laughs> and it's like, you know, you don't want to be mean about it, you know, and I would never have a problem with it before. But now I'm just like, do not. What are you doing? You need to have... Um, need to get clips made with a little chain that says, do not touch. Do not touch my head. Yeah. Please. Yes. Not even please. Don't even say please. Just don't touch me. (laughs) Girl. (laughs) But I've never, I've never been one to have boundaries like that. But I feel like with everything that's going on, you think it'd be common sense, right? And and also, you know, technically you're a new mom. It's been a year, but you're, you're, you're a new mom. So that's another thing you're, that's new that's added onto it. It's like, what am I taking home to my baby? Yes. And I literally had one of my girls spritzing alcohol in my head after. Like, I was like, baby, I'm contaminated. <laughs> it's so bad. It's no, so bad. And, and here's something else. Uh, you know, we also know you're OCD. Yeah, I know. So that's another thing. <laughs> I know. It doesn't help. It doesn't help at all. No. Yeah. So, um, you know, when I asked you to come on here, you said you were an open book. Yes. And I want to thank you uh, for allowing this and being an open book because, um, again, what I'm trying to get out there and I'm hoping, again, I'm hoping and praying that people that are listening to this um, get out of this. Um, be it that their life is really cool and good or that their life is the complete opposite. Yeah. That they understand that no matter what they're facing, it is all about their choices on what they want to create and do in the end. They can either choose to lay down to get up and to walk forward. Now, 
We always need help. We always need guidance. I mean, I'm not saying you just get up and charge. That's not it. Yeah. You either lay down or you get up. You got up and you kept walking. Now, um, Nicolette, I'm going to just say this, came from um, both her parents' uh, drug users, correct? Yeah. How young were you uh, when you found out both your parents were drug users? So I will say my mom at a very, very young age, probably before I could remember, um, only because, you know, and I think you'll understand this, just there's difference between functioning addicts and ones that don't function so well. Um, my mom did not function so well. Like you could tell, I mean, she would have a sip of something and you could tell all over her face, you know? Um, so I'd probably say, I mean, as early as kindergarten, because that would have been like what I would have remembered, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, very, very young age. I was very aware of what was going on. My dad, not so much. My dad was very functioning. My dad is a very, very, very hard worker, as was my mom, but she, again, could not function. Um, so my dad, I did not realize that until I was much older. Yeah. And what type of drugs are we talking about? My mom, actually, um, she was a, uh, like, Vicodin, you know, like, pain medication um she had gotten into a really bad car accident before i was born so i guess that she had gotten addicted to it through that um my dad actually when i was first born went to um rehabilitation center for cocaine and alcohol use which i did not know that until i had gotten much older so yeah and then my mom was definitely an alcoholic for sure yeah and there's you and uh, you have a sister. Yeah, my younger sister. Do you feel that uh, with her being younger, you got uh, more of a brunt, the brunt of it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I always felt like, and we would joke about it, but looking back on it, it's probably not as much of a joke um, that I was her mom. Like I babied her a lot. And my whole family really did. Um, not that she didn't have to go through the same stuff that I went through. Um, but she was a lot more sheltered from it, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. and she was also a lot more forgiving than I was for sure. I would get really angry when my you know, mom would have to go to a rehab again. My sister would get more attached to her almost. So, yeah. And because I know more things. Can you uh, tell everyone what age you were when your mother died? 17. So it was like a few months before I graduated high school. And it was from overdose, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So I wasn't actually speaking with her um, for several months before she had passed away. Because I was, you know, she had relapsed again. That time she never got back up. I mean, it was just like, usually she would relapse, go to a rehabilitation center and then, you know, get sober for a while and something would happen. This time she just never, she didn't get sober after that. It was just, you know, she ran off with her boyfriend who was a heroin addict. And, um, 
I did, I didn't hear from her. You know, and I'm I'm always been the type of person like if I get really angry with someone, I will write you off because I just can't I can't deal. So I didn't talk to her for several months before she had passed away. And who are you living with? My dad. So my junior year, like right before summer hit, um, she was pretty bad. And um, my dad had came to the house and he said, you guys can't live here anymore. Like you need to come and stay with me because this is not good. And my mom, some crazy stuff happened within the next couple weeks after we had went to live with him. And um, she actually ended up uh, getting beat up pretty bad. The doctors claimed she had a seizure. I don't believe it. She was like unrecognizable. Um, I had went there to actually see her because she was getting evicted from the condo that we were living in at the time. And um, I've never, I've never seen anybody like that before in my life. So I knew it was bad. My sister knew something was bad and my mom hadn't been answering the phone. So my sister actually went over there um, a couple days after I had went and the doors were locked and everything. And my stepmom took my sister there and somehow my stepmom got through the back. Um, she like hopped the fence and got in and my sister actually busted through the door. She said that she had seen something in the window go towards the bathroom. There was nobody else in the house. And, um, she went into the bathroom and my mom lifted her head up, kicked the door shut but she had been unconscious for at least 24 hours. So, I mean, it, it was really crazy. I wasn't even allowed to go to the hospital to see her because my aunt and my dad decided they didn't want us to see her like that. Um, she ended up somehow, some way coming out of it for a very short period of time. And um, she went to another rehabilitation center where she met that boyfriend and they actually left the rehabilitation center before they graduated um, together and just went MIA. Wow. That is just uh, too much. That is too much for a child. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, and I will say this, like, I know that there's probably going to be a lot of people listening to this that can relate to something like that. Maybe they have, you know, very close family members or friends that, our drug users. My mom was an amazing human being. Like my mom was a beautiful person. She just had a really bad problem. Like when she was really good, she was really good. And when she wasn't, she really wasn't, you know? So, um, I just know, and I felt like towards that end part, that last incident that had happened, it was unsalvageable at that point. Like she just, I, I just knew in my heart that we were just waiting for a phone call, you know? Okay. So, yeah. Where was she? So apparently she was in, and I might get this wrong, but San Bernardino or San Benito, one of the two County. Um, I don't know the exact city she was in. Um, my aunt, who was my mom's older sister, I was very, very close to her. But at that time, I was not. I was very angry with her because I thought my sister and I were going to go live with her. And we ended up going and living with my dad. So, um, and she didn't fight for it. So I was really 
not happy with her. Um, she ended up calling my dad and telling my dad that apparently my mom had gotten arrested the night before. She was drunk in public and all that craziness. And, um, I guess when they had released her from like the drunk tank or whatever, and she had went back and this is how confusing this story is. And honestly, I, I don't even necessarily know if I really truly want to know the truth. You know, I feel like it would just make me go crazy. So, um, she had went to this house that her and her boyfriend were staying at. Supposedly it was his cousin's house. Something happened. Her boyfriend was not there, supposedly. And um, he came back to the house in the morning, found her on the floor. So to my knowledge, my mom, the only thing that she had ever done was the pain medication and alcohol. Um, The coroners found other things in her system. I was genuinely shocked. Um, But yeah. So that, that's ultimately what caused it. And they questioned her boyfriend and stuff like that um, about it. I, I guess, like, they didn't do, do much further digging just given the circumstances. But, um, you know, he attended her funeral and stuff, and I actually kept in touch with him after. Um, I almost felt sorry for him. Really? Yeah, which is totally unlike me. Because, again, like, I'm the type to just, like, write people off. I'm like, you are not worth my time, but I, I don't know. Like I felt bad for him. I really did. I really truly felt bad for him. I felt bad that he found her like that. I felt bad that he was by himself. I don't know. I just, I felt like a sense of like obligation almost to keep in touch with him. Was it because you felt like, that because it was your mom that you felt responsible for her actions that she laid upon him? I mean, to an extent, it, and I, I mean, I know I can be pretty honest on here. It was almost like he was a lost puppy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? My husband now, who was my boyfriend then, like, I remember him calling us in the middle of the night and saying like, I need a ride, you know? And like, we would get up and go give him a ride or I would check in with him to see how his daughter was doing. He had a much younger daughter. Um, she was a lot younger than I was. She was probably like 10 maybe. Um, so I would ask about her. Um, I remember this one time she was in town and they wanted to go to the aquarium. So my husband and I ended up meeting them there type of thing. I, and I don't know, I've never, ever, ever got along with any of my mom's boyfriends. I hated her husband, hated him. The only person in this world I've ever hated, but, um, I don't know. I just felt like I just needed to be there for him in some sort of way that ended very shortly after though. Or did you feel that he needed to be there for you? I mean, that's a, there's a lot of questions there in that. I know. I, I genuinely looking back on it because it was such a long time ago. I genuinely just felt bad for him. I, there's no other way to explain it. I just felt bad for him. I felt bad that he was by himself. He wasn't from here. He didn't have anybody, you know, he didn't have custody of his daughter. So he only got to see her a very select few times. 
um, she, her mom was a drug addict as well. So she didn't live with the mom either. I don't know. But, and you, I almost, but you but, were young. I, I get it. You were young. Yeah. Looking back on it, like as an adult now, I would never have talked to him yeah. or even given it the time of day, you know, something you needed to do to displace your energy. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Like even me talking about it now is very confusing. Yeah. Like, I don't know why I kept in contact with him. So. But, it, but it explains it for maybe somebody out there listening. If they're doing something that might seem odd to other people, it's just, maybe somehow their way of dealing with a yeah. mechanism. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but like I said, that ended shortly after it was a very toxic, he's a very toxic person. He just is like, you even look at the circumstances that happened and anybody would be like, how could you even talk to him after, you know? Um, but yeah, he called me one night in the middle of the night. And it's like, why would you be calling, you know, at that time, a 17 year old in the middle of the night for a ride in the middle of Prunedale, you know, it was very, very strange. And, um, my husband, you know, ended up getting in his car cause I didn't drive at the time. And, um, yeah, he was with like another girl. She was very young, not underage young, just a lot younger than him. And the whole situation was very strange. So I actually didn't talk to him after that. Like he was just using me basically for a ride. And I just was like, you know what? Just let's, let's cut this relationship off because I shouldn't even be associating with you in the first place due to everything that happened. Who knows if he even had a hand and what happened to my mom, not saying that he would have done it purposefully, just saying he probably knew a lot more than what he said. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how did you feel? I mean, it, for somebody listening, it's interesting how your dad, who's an addict, says, yeah. your mom's really screwed up. <laughs> it's a bad place to be. Come be with me. I'm less of an addict or, I'm a, yeah. I, or I cope with it better. Yeah. I mean, he would never admit that he does anything no. of the sort. Yeah. And my, my stepmom was an extreme pill addict. I mean, she'd be like passed out on the couch all the time. So it was just literally like from one toxic situation to another. And I will say this, like, I, I personally feel like my dad did the best he could. He worked 24 seven, like he was barely ever home, you know, like barely. He was a car salesman. Like he worked from morning, noon till night. So, I mean, my stepmom did a lot. <laughs> Do you know? <laughs> I, I mean, she like took us to school for the most part. If not my husband, again, who was my boyfriend at the time, I've been with him since I was 15. Like he would take us to school. He would take me to work. He would pick me up, you know, pick me up from work, all that. Yeah. yeah. It was a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, I don't know how, a, again, the other reason I'm interviewing is how does a 17-year-old deal with that? You're dealing with the death of a mother, drug-addicted father, a drug-addicted stepmother. 
you know, and now raising, raising a younger sister. Yeah. Well, and then my sister started doing drugs. As the yeah. first lady on SNL said, if anybody <laughs> out there remembers it, well, now isn't that special. <laughs> it was perfect. It was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was just in my own little world. You know, like I went to school. As soon as I would get out of school, I worked. I was barely ever home. Like if I wasn't doing those two things, I was with, I'm like, should I say boyfriend or husband? I don't know what I should say. My husband, friends, you know, I just tried to avoid being home at all costs. Yeah. Can't blame you. No. No. My husband had a, a very abusive stepfather and uh, it was work, sports. I mean, anything not to be home. Yeah. Yeah. You just avoid it like the plague. Like, oh, you know, this is going on. I'm just not going to be here. That's all good. Yeah. And they can, I think parents that are not uh, connected, they can understand you're working. You know, if you have a, a good, uh, as uh my little air quotes go here. If you have a good excuse, an excuse they can understand, you're working, then it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just excuse it all away. Yeah. Yeah. But then um, I realized, because, I mean, all of this seemed to have happened in a very, very short amount of time. You know, Um, once my mom passed away, it was like my sister just went boom, 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 boom. You know, she started hanging out with like gangbangers. And I mean, we lived on uh, the Del Monte golf course, you know, where that's at by the Hyatt. And um, I mean, we, we had a bunch of people in the front yard and I'm like, oh no, like not only are these people like older, right? They should not be hanging out with my younger sister. Like, what are you guys doing in front of the house? what are you guys doing in front of the house? You know? And so I remember going up to my sister and I pulled her to the side and I said, Hey, like these people cannot be here. Like you shouldn't be hanging out with them. They should not be here. Like you need to tell them to leave. And if you don't, I'm going to. And she refused to tell them to leave. And so I said, okay. And I walked straight up to them and I was like, you, 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 you get your butts in the car and get off, get off my property. Like, I don't know what else to say to you, you know? And she started freaking out. She calls my dad. He starts freaking out on me, telling me, you can't tell me who I can and cannot have over my house. And I say, your daughter's drinking. She's doing drugs. She's hanging out with gangbangers. Is this, is this even a question right now? Like, how are we even arguing about this? And it was, if you don't like it, leave, you know? So he said it was her. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like how you could even do that. I mean, she's 15 years old. Like how, again, how is this even a conversation right now? My stepbrother, I mean, he was like him and five of his friends one day. And I look through the window because I'm standing outside and there's a naked girl in his room with five other of his friends. I ran in there so fast. I dragged her out by her hair and called her parents. 
And it was my fault because boys will be boys. And then I turned into, oh, Nicolette's a snitch. And she doesn't, you know, look at you. You partied. You did this. You did that. Why can't they have fun? And I'm sitting there like in a twilight zone. Like, how is this even happening right now? And um, I remember this was probably like two, three days after I had actually graduated high school. Um, My dad told me that my husband couldn't stay the night. You know, and I started freaking out because I'm like, wait, 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 like you let everybody in this house do whatever they want, whenever they want. It's okay if he stays the night when he's taking me to school and taking me to work and doing things for you, but it's not okay when I want him to stay the night. So I, and I, looking back on it, I was 17. If my dad said, no, you can't do something. I shouldn't have done it, but I stuck him in the house anyway. And my dad caught, you know, him sleeping, Right. And I remember getting into a huge fight with my dad. My husband's apologizing to him, you know, saying that he's sorry. And my dad goes like, you know, calling me every name in the book. Like, you know, if you don't like it here, then leave. And I said, all right. That was three days after I graduated high school. So I left. And that was that? That was that. Never went back. He was mad. I mean, he wouldn't talk to me for like a good couple weeks. He called me like screaming at me, like leaving voicemails and stuff. And I just didn't answer, but he got over it. You know, I never asked him for anything. Do you feel that was probably the best thing that happened though? I do. I was not preparing to move out that young. Like there's, there's, perks and then there's like downsides to it right like I was not planning on moving out that young my husband and I had very clear plans as to what we wanted our lives to look like we both wanted to go to school first and then we wanted to get our own place together Um, we wanted to be able to save up money and do all these things and it took a lot longer looking back on it it still happened very young Right. So I can't complain, but it took a lot longer than what we had initially planned, you know, because now it's like, you know, I, you know, of course we paid his mom a little something like whatever we could afford at that time. But like, I didn't want to live with my mother-in-law. I didn't want to move out at 17. I wanted to go to school first. He wanted to go to school first. You know, it just didn't happen that way. Do you think by you moving out so young that it hurt your sister or do you think she would have turned out uh, still uh, doing drugs and everything in the long run? She never forgave me for it. She said I abandoned her, but she wanted nothing to do with me when I lived there. You know what I mean? Because I was snitching her out and I wasn't letting her do what she wanted to do. You know, I wasn't her mom. So it was like, you know, she was really, really upset with me for leaving. But given the circumstances, she actually lived with me like six times after all of that. Like my husband and I took her in, paid for all of her stuff, helped her get a job. All those six times. You know, so she was mad at me, but... She wasn't that mad at me to come and live with me. 
my husband and I did that with his youngest sister. And, uh, you know, it, we paid dearly for it. Oh, if yeah. Oh, yeah. If they're druggies, if they don't want to change, they're not going to change. No. And that's why, like, I feel I felt very obligated. And that was my sister. I, I was very, very, very close to her, extremely close to her. And so I wanted to do those things for her because I wanted to see her succeed. I wanted to see her do good, but she just, I mean, it got worse and worse. And then every five seconds she was doing something new, you know, I mean, first it went from, she was, um, smoking oxycodone. Yeah. To meth to heroin. I mean, it just like, and the list goes on and on. Then she started going to jail you know? So, I mean, it was just, it was never ending. I mean, she robbed a bakery out here. She was on the news. She was on manhunt Monday and, you know, we're a full Italian family. Like it's a very small town. Everybody knows everybody out here. So my dad was embarrassed. Like he was mortified, you know, it was just, it was never ending. And then it, it almost seems like she thinks it's cool. Like she, she loves that life. But isn't that interesting that he's embarrassed by it, but yet he encouraged it. Yeah. Yeah. But I could, I could never have that conversation with him. Yeah. You can't. I've tried. I've tried and it doesn't end well. So. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things I know is that, so you went out and created yourself at 17. So is that, that's when you went to beauty college. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, my dad got over it pretty quickly because he helped me sign the papers for beauty school a few weeks after that. So um, I was still a minor. I wasn't emancipated. So he still needed to help me sign up for that. When you were younger, you uh, wanted to be a prosecutor. Yeah. (laughs) Or a teacher. Or a teacher. English teacher. (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and like looking back on it those still seem like pretty awesome careers to have I just like as far as the prosecutor goes you know I I wouldn't be able to send anybody away that was innocent I wouldn't even be able to like stand behind that so that just was not the thing for me um being a teacher it was I mean, it's very rewarding, but at the same time, I was not in a position to attend school for that long, you know, and not be making, I paid for my school. Like I paid for everything. I, like I said, I didn't ask anybody for a dime. So, I mean, it it wasn't realistic at that given point. And I was like, you know what? I really want to be a drug and alcohol counselor. Like that's my ultimate goal. That's what I want to do. But what can I do in the meantime where I could make good money and then like pay my way through school for that? And I was like, "Eh, I kind of like doing hair. That sounds fun. And then I went to beauty school. (laughs) And bang, you're good at it. And bang, I'm like, you know, halfway decent at it. I built a career, you know, off of that. I fell in love with it um, more so than I ever thought I actually would. 
Um, almost like I can't even see myself ever doing anything else. I did not go back to school for drug and alcohol counseling because I realized that number one, I don't have the patience for it. And number two, like I would legit take it personal if someone relapsed and they, and I was like, you know, their counselor or their sponsor or, you know, however you want to put it, but I would, I would be very upset. So that's not the gig for me. I hear that. So, again, I mean, beauty college at 17, salon manager by 19, uh, uh, salon market trainer uh, by 21, married at 21. uh, That's a lot in a short span. So, oh, you can't. I can hear you a little bit. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, again, I mean, you grew up, you grew up a lot in a very short span. Very, very short span. Very short amount of time. But I feel like that's, how do I put this? I feel like it shouldn't have happened any other way. You know what I mean? Like, and even then, like, I mean, my husband and I bought our house almost four years ago now, which was another really big goal of ours. It didn't even happen sooner than I wanted it to. I'm very impatient. You know, I need everything like right now. It needs to happen right this very second or I start going crazy. But you know, we're both very driven. I feel like he's helped me through a lot. You know, he knew my mom, he was very close to her. You know, he's very close with my dad, you know, before. And yeah, I mean, overall, I just feel like, you know, he's helped me through a lot, but at the same time, it's like, I wanted to make sure that my mom was proud of me. I wanted to make sure that things were happening in the timeline that I wanted them to happen. Um, me and him both had the same goals in life as far as like when we wanted to see things happen. I feel like that's really important too. Like you need to know what you're reaching for. You need to know what you're working towards. I believe a lot of people would be, are still probably like shocked by, you know, how young you met your husband and you got married and are doing very well. Uh, but I believe I, I was married young too. I believe sometimes it is what it is. The universe aligned you up with the person you need to help you overcome and to build that partnership. Yeah, absolutely. I a hundred percent agree. Um, I mean, I, I couldn't see it any other way. I mean, like even I had met him when I was 13. We did not like each other. He was not my cup of tea. Always thought he was very attractive, but he was, you know, you can't have two loud mouth people in a group. It just doesn't, it just doesn't work that way. But, you know, slowly but surely we actually became friends. And, you know, when I was 15, we started dating. Now I knew what I wanted out of the relationship. You know what I mean? Like I knew, I knew like that I wanted to be with him. You know what I mean? And everyone was like, oh, Nicolette, you're so young. 
And I'm like, that's fine. That's okay. I don't care. Like, what does that matter? Right? If we both know we want to be together, then that's just what we're going to do. And it ended up working out. So, yeah. (laughs) Well, I know, knowing what I know, I definitely know you're a very old soul. Coming in as an old soul, you do have a tendency to know what you know, know what you want at a very young age. And uh, so that definitely helps you out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. The only thing I can't decide on is what I want to eat. <laughs> so <laughs> the rest, I feel like I got figured out. I'm like this, I know exactly this is what I want to do, you know? So this is who I want to be with. Um, I mean, even down to like us having a kid, like that was pretty planned out. I feel like um, I did not want to have a child before I was ready. You know what I mean? Before I was like mentally, emotionally, you know, ready to do that. So, you know, and in a lot of cases that doesn't happen. Sometimes they're a pleasant surprise. So. But um, yeah, I can see. I can see that in you. Here's the other thing that people don't know about you, which I love because I think it's something you love in me too, that um, we're both absolutely addicted to Halloween. Oh yes. Our favoritest, favoritest time of year. We both have issues. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's a really bad addiction. It's really bad. Yeah. Did I tell you where I was doing a Halloween photo shoot? No. Yes. But I have to surprise you. I'm not going to show you the themes and everything. And no, it's not going to be like your traditional, like, oh, we're getting dressed up in Halloween costumes and doing it. Like, it's going to be total, like, gothy kind of, like, candles and forests and Halloween vibes. Oh, fabulous. (laughs) Uh, uh, so last year last Halloween was your uh, son's first Halloween yes tell everyone how many costume changes you had so on top of all the different outfits that he had throughout the entire month and all like the photos that we did with every week leading up to Halloween he had three different costumes the day of he was not a happy camper by the third um but he was we were the Adams family which of course it's like we kind of have to do that I know everyone else does that it might be a little played out but I feel like we rocked it and um then he was a little skunk it was very cute and then he was a little sailor my Grammy bought him like a legit sailor outfit super adorable (laughs) did not get good pictures for that one though because he was just not having it Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All those Eve. Oh yes. And I know that we may not be able to do much this year, but we can still decorate and celebrate redhead style. <laughs> well, speaking about All Hallows Eve, um, I recently. Uh, oh, Nicolette let, let me. I graciously um, gave her a reading, and we connected with her grandma. Are you there, Nicolette? There you are. Hi. 
<laughs> and uh, I got to tell you, that was one fun lady. Oh, yeah. She's a blast. She was. She was a blast. Is she who you get that from? You know what? She actually wasn't as into Halloween, more so Christmas. What? Yeah. M- my mom, she's the one that sparked the Halloween. Okay. Like, for sure. I mean, we were always like dressed to the nines, hair and makeup. Like she had the whole house decked out. It was insane. And I just remember like you get like this crazy feeling inside and you're like, this is my day. Like this was created specifically for me. It just, it was all, it was uh, like uh, the, uh, your grandma just, she just was just hysterical. Oh yeah. 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 Did she She help you out? What? Did she help you out a lot growing up? She did. Like she did pass away a year before my mom. Me and her were very close. Um, I was actually very close with both my sets of grandparents. My Grammy on my dad's side is still here. Um, but I lived with both my sets of grandparents for a pretty big chunk of our lives. So um, like off and on type of thing. Um, but I stayed with her for quite some time. So her and my nanu, so my nanu and my nana, um, I was very, very close with both of them. Yeah. I'm so happy you had that. Me too. I definitely believe um, that it is, uh, you know, where there is a lack, we hope that there is something gained, you know, uh, because uh, the, again, like I've talked about uh, that uh, with our elders, there is so much knowledge. Well, Nicolette's uh, battery just died on her phone. <laughs> um, but anyways, I want to thank Nicolette for coming on the show and uh, being open and honest with me and all of you. And I want to thank you all for listening, coming on and listening to all these um, brave young women come and tell their stories. Uh, my next interview is with... Alexa Sanchez. Yes, another Alexa. And yes, another family member. Uh, But this Alexa, um, boy, she is absolutely amazing. So I hope you tune in. And I will also start putting on some of my solo podcasts. Uh, So I hope you tune in. Talk to you later. This is Selfaholic. Bye.